0: Welcome back to the Rebel Alliance podcast. Uh, So glad to see you. We're here for another episode, and you have your hosts, Nate and Chris. How are you doing today, Chris?
1: I cannot complain. I never complain, though, about being good,
0: I guess. I don't know. I disagree with that statement. What? You were complaining a lot about the Jays, the weather. You were complaining about all kinds of stuff on the way into this. Yeah, but that's not me
1: doing. I said, how are you
0: doing? I'm doing doing fantastic. All right, all right. Get
1: me on any of those topics, and I will complain your ear (laughs) off. But that's not uh, We're me. also, I'm of course,
0: joined in studio by our sound wizard, Dave. Uh, thanks for being with us again, Dave. Um, we have some opening questions today, but before we get to them, uh, we just want to remind you to uh, like us uh these posts on facebook share them to your feed comment on them uh if you're listening to us on itunes just take that those couple of minutes that it takes to go on there give us a five star review uh or a five star rating and uh, review us it just helps us it just helps us move up the charts so to speak it helps uh, expand our audience a little bit and it's a very practical way for you to join the rebellion and uh, (laughs) and help out the rebel alliance uh so what are our opening questions today chris
1: our opening question is actually kind of a fun one for us today. It's the best and worst Christian movie you've seen.
0: Best and worst Christian movie I've ever seen. You've ever ever seen. seen. I'm gonna go recent because uh, my memory is not that great. Uh, but uh, actually, this and this is on Netflix for all of you listeners who have Netflix. Uh, I recently watched, as in like within the year, uh, a movie called Woodlawn. Uh, so it's a oh, it's a, a yeah it's a one. it's a movie about uh, it's a football movie uh and uh the the guy who plays I'm not good with actors names the guy who plays Samwise Gamgee in uh in Lord of the Rings is the protagonist John Austin That's there you go name. uh and he plays a chaplain and he goes to a uh a school problem school Woodlawn and uh he is the chaplain for the football team essentially preaches the gospel the team gets converted and through the efforts of the team uh, they begin to revolutionize their school, their neighborhood, the whole thing. It's, it's pretty phenomenal. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that movie. Woodlawn was probably uh, the best. Worst Christian movie I've ever seen. I mean, I'm sorting through a lot here, Chris. Uh, there's a lot of junk. Um, I'm going to go with the—and I didn't watch the whole thing. I will admit turning it off uh, within a few minutes. But uh, the Nicolas Cage version of Left Behind— <laughs> I don't know if you saw this. Why thing. did you even watch that? I thought it'd be good for a laugh and it was, but it's then Nicolas The la- Cage. It not only is it Nick Cage, but it's also left behind. So it's um it, it was double bad. Horrible. Horrible movie. I uh, didn't watch the whole thing. Did turn it off partway through. I thought it would be good for a laugh and it was good for a laugh, but then it just became irritating. So <laughs> don't watch that one. But watch Woodlawn.
1: Well, Woodlawn good <laughs> left left behind with Nick Cage bad. bad yeah. What about Left Behind with Kirk Cameron?
0: Uh, to be honest with you, I never saw it. Yeah, is that I, the original one?
1: Yeah, I never saw it. I think that's the one based on like LaHaye's heresy and all that. Like,
0: Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Well, know, Nick Cage's was it as well. Oh, I and, do, is that based on that too? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Based on the same thing. I mean, I don't know how I didn't get into the whole thing, but yeah, same just, sort of thing.
1: Just shows God has a sense of humor. Two movies made about a, a terrible worldview. And. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's not a biblical view, so you have to say worldview. Yeah. Um, and they both bombed in the theaters. Yes. Now, luckily, Kurt Cameron, good man, has changed his beliefs.
0: He has. He read the Bible. He, re-
1: <laughs> he might. Good thing he's probably listening right now. I'm <laughs> um, sorry about that, Kurt. We All really right. liked you on Full House. Was it Full House or who's the bot? Whatever he was on.
0: Um, okay, Chris, yours. Best and worst movie.
1: My Christian best, movie. I think Woodlawn is the right answer. Um, I know. That's so I think you, you crushed it on that. But another good one, and I, I may get a little bit of like uh, like flack for this one. I think God's Not Dead 2. God's Not Dead 2. Not one. One was pretty bad. Um, like good premise, I guess, but just too much. I think
0: just, just in the fact that you're naming a part two... Is a great movie. Generally, most sequels, not so good. But God's Not Dead 2 is actually better than the first one for sure. Oh, em- Pirates? Is that what you said?
1: Empire Strikes okay. Back sequel. Oh, Empire. Yeah. It's a great movie. Well played. <laughs> okay.
0: We can't be talking anyway. about Star Wars. They're not Christian movies.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> that is the right answer. No. Um, God's Not Dead 2 is a great movie. Okay. I, th- I think one shows very practically things that could happen in our culture if we keep playing down this line of, you know, Basically, political correctness. Nobody's allowed to say what they think. Hmm. You can see how we can get into uh, into situations where we're now being in the Western world persecuted for like I, I I struggle to use that word compared to like some of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in like Syria, but like persecuted in our world. Right in our for, context, yeah, in our culture, for the the Bible, and I, I think I think that movie shows in a very soft, good way what could come from the right. way our, our government and our laws are going at the moment. Right. Um, so that would be the, the the good one to me.
0: I actually um, thought one of the best parts of that movie was uh, the credits afterwards that actually cited a whole lot of court cases that are going on right now in the U.S. or recently in the U.S. I didn't even that. see that. Yeah, yeah. If you go back on and just just read through it after the credits, after all the actors and actresses, it actually talks about all these court cases and, and their outcome and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was... Pretty solid.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah. I didn't know. I did not know that. Scary, but yeah, <laughs> very very scary. Uh, the the worst one I've seen. Um, I don't know. I've, I I don't generally watch a lot of like once it like I turn them off kind of quickly. Um, I, I'm going to struggle for the name here, uh, for it. It was basically I'll I, I'll remember the name. I'm struggling. It, basically, the premise of it was um, I. I think it's called, I'll just say Left Behind 2. <laughs>
0: or The Shack. The yeah, there's, there's I lots you can go the, for. The Shack. I know, how did oh, I not think of
1: The Shack? Yeah. The Shack is clearly the right answer. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Now we'll go with The Shack.
0: Fair enough. Um, all right, so those are the movies. Go watch Woodlawn and God is Not Dead 2, evidently, and uh, do not watch Left Behind or The Shack.
1: Or the other one that I couldn't think of the name if if you've had revelation and remember what that is. <laughs> so.
0: Um, all right what's our actual topic today Chris
1: today we're going to be talking about marriage
0: marriage is what brings us together, together.
1: yeah so we're talking marriage very practically what do two nerds like us know about marriage very so, little <laughs> very very little I think our
0: wives would say that um, maybe I feel maybe. like
1: I feel like we know a lot about it I we're still we both have successfully remained married
0: that's true which is and, good and we both uh, successfully married uh, a station above. We we somehow convinced g- women who are better than us to marry us. So well, that's...
1: you you married like one station. I married like seventeen stations above. <laughs> like I, I'm shocked she even talked to me. So there's that.
0: Well, there you go. So yeah, we're talking about marriage, and we, uh, this is uh, in various different questions we get asked to talk about this all the time. Uh, just. We know a lot of our listen, listeners are just looking for some practical everyday help. And we know, uh, sadly, we live in a Christian context, a Christian context where more Christian marriages fail than non Christian marriages. And i actually remember watching a youtube video one time where it was talking about seven objections to christianity and when you think about seven objections to christianity you'd think that there are all these arguments you know about like oh why god doesn't exist or or whatever you think that some of these are going to be intellectual arguments or or whatever science evolution whatever the case may be but number i think five or six on the list was uh just the the stats for Christian marriages are the exact same in terms of divorce rate for non-Christian marriages. And this, this person who posted this YouTube video was essentially saying that's proof that God doesn't exist because if these people are getting married in front of God and God is supposed to bless their marriage as the Bible says, why are their marriages still failing? And I thought, man, if there, th- th- what a condemnation to us as a church that we're, we're not doing this well. So marriage, what do we know about marriage? Well, <laughs> thankfully we don't just have to reply uh, rely on what we know we can rely on what the bible no, uh, tells us so um i think you know some of the areas where we would go to talk about uh, marriage is uh, the kind of the premier text that i'd go to is ephesians chapter 5 and uh ephesians chapter 5 is one of those uh, passages of scripture that uh, they get controversial and i'll tell you where a lot of husbands like to stop uh, i'll start reading in verse 22 wives submit to your own husbands full stop <laughs> full stop that's all the verse says. yeah right? that's all that's all it says that's what we like to think and and so you know christianity is often um kind of uh, made fun of for its archaic views of uh, headship and submission and all this kind of stuff and you know we view ephesians 5 as as if that's where it stops but that's not the whole passage so let me read the whole passage it says wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife even as christ is the head of the church his body and is himself its savior now as the church submits to christ so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands and here's the part where i've uh failed for sure but uh, the, uh, a part where uh, i've tried to let this kind of dictate how i live my life and my marriage So there's a lot more in that than just wives submit to your husbands, and the reality is is that most of it is directed at us, Chris, as the husbands, to love our wives as Christ loved the church, which is a super tall order.
1: Exactly. Um, I think I think there's so much there's so much junk about this whole like wives submitting and men being the the leadership of the house, and what I say junk by that I mean I mean in terms of how we're defining what leadership looks like in the home right it doesn't mean i'm the boss that you are my subordinate and you will do everything i say leadership biblically is servanthood that's right like jesus led by example of being a servant to all you know what i mean so if we couple that with the idea of husbands love your wives as christ loved the church means serve your wife doesn't mean she becomes the boss of you either it just means you know honor her you know what i mean love her on her. You know what I mean? Like do things as you would at the, at the church, at your job, just take care of things. And I think practically as men, one of the quick ways we can get back to almost earning the right to be the, to be the spiritual head in the house is to act like it. I mean, right. be the leader in the house, set the example in your devotion life, in your walk with Christ that your wife will see and want to follow. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's very interesting that Men are told to love their wives and women are told to respect their husbands. Well, it's time for men to start being men that can be respected. Right. You know what I mean, like, I don't expect Heather to follow me if I'm not following Christ. Yeah. I don't, I expect her to get mad at me, to chuck me out. You know what I mean? Right. If I'm not. To call you out on it. <laughs> to call, exactly. To call me out on it. Because the right. purpose of marriage is to get us more like Christ. That's right. I mean, it's the primary means of our sanctification. Absolutely. So, and sometimes that's a painful and hard thing, but that is the point of it. The two of us together becoming like Christ now to become one flesh. That's right. To be like Christ. And I, I think the, the point is that if I'm not being a man spiritually, if I'm not being a man responsibility wise, she has all authority to correct me on those things. Right. And Hopefully by my example, she's doing the same things and we're working together to become that. It's not a, it's not a dictatorship in the home. And I think that's where so much of our theology on the subject is, is messed up by leave it to beaver episodes and like, you know, oh, husband goes to work, wife stays home and does all the chores. That's not right guys. Right. You come home from work. Yeah. Take the leadership. You clean the house. Give your, give the night, your wife a night off. One, she will be happier which is a good thing for everybody. If you're married, we know this, (laughs) but two, like as, as just, as just general good people, like if you're coming home and then just, you know what? I had a hard day at work, but I can still do a little bit more when I get home. Right. That just goes a step be that goes a step beyond. And to be honest, in nowadays cultures, your wife probably had a hard day at work too. Right. Like just, or a hard
0: day at home with the kids. I think, I think honestly, Like uh, right now on on my day off, uh, Colleen works. And so I uh, on on Mondays, I'm home with Quinn by myself and I love my days with uh, with Quinn. But in all honesty, she's a year and a half and she's tiring, man. (laughs) <laughs> by the end of the day, I'm ready to put her to bed and just chill. And uh, and so taking care of kids at home is is n- by no means the easier responsibility. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's the harder responsibility. And I think, uh, yeah, the Leave it to Beaver episodes or just, uh, you know, uh, old-fashioned stereotypes or whatever, it's, it's important for us to say that the Bible doesn't affirm, uh, like, culturally made stereotypes. The Bible doesn't say that the woman should be the one doing all the cooking or all the cleaning or any of that kind of stuff that the husband, you know, comes home from work and kicks off his boots ready for a hot homemade meal of meat and potatoes. Like that's just, that stuff's not in the Bible. Um, the Proverbs 31 woman is a woman who is strong and courageous and works inside the home and works outside the home and, uh, and you know, uh, it works towards sanctification and Christ-likeness. Uh, it doesn't, it, the Bible doesn't affirm these kind of weak-willed, passive women at all. Uh, in fact, most of the, the female heroes in the Bible are ferocious women of God, and, and that's, that's the kind of women that we ought to want as husbands. Absolutely. Especially, like you said, so there's a couple things that you said there that I I just are worth kind of repeating or or, uh, fleshing out a bit. So number one, you said, um, you know, leadership is service. And uh, that immediately makes me think of Mark chapter 10, when Jesus is talking. uh, Remember James and John, they're the mama boys, right? (laughs) Their mom comes and says, you know, Jesus, can these guys sit at your right and left hand? And uh, one at your right side, one at your left, and, and Jesus is basically uses that as an opportunity to teach his disciples what servanthood is, right? He says, you know, you, you're aspiring for greatness, and this comes, I think, a chapter after it says that all the disciples were arguing on the road about who is the greatest and uh, he says you aspire to greatness that i'm paraphrasing here you aspire to greatness let me tell you what greatness looks like right and he says the gentiles they lord it over you but that's it, it shall not be so with you is what he says he says those who uh who want to be great among you must be a servant and that that who you who want to be first must be slave of all and so he's teaching that greatness and leadership uh, and places of prominence come through servanthood. And he, he links this to himself, right? He says, even the Son of Man didn't come into the world to be served, but to lay down his life as a ransom for many. And so you, you see that Jesus, the ultimate man, showed us that he didn't come to be served. And I, I think, honestly, if I can just talk to our male listeners for a few minutes, I think this is one of the things that we need to just... We need to work hard to get this out of our minds. It is not your God-given right to be served by your wife or by your, your family. Um, as the leader, you are called to serve. And that's what Ephesians 5 says, right? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You talked to Chris about coming home after a hard day's work and doing some cleaning. That's what servanthood looks like, It, it coming home and giving yourself up for your wife. Now, I, I just need to stop here for a second because our wives do listen to this podcast. <laughs> just to say, we by no means do this perfectly. I don't know about you, Chris. I don't do this perfectly.
1: Uh, not even, not even close. Love you, honey. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, uh, so we're 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 talking about this in in uh, what we strive to do. We we strive to be husbands who serve our wives, and we fail and we fall in this all the time. And we're very thankful for gracious godly wives who forgive us when we fall but this is the ideal we're shooting for right and so let's not be satisfied with uh with failing all the time at this let's let's continue to move towards the uh, one of the other things you talked about was how marriage is one of the primary means that god uses to sanctify us again we see this in the ephesians 5 uh, passage right says um He says uh, gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Meaning that it's part of your role as a husband to work with your wife towards Christ likeness, lead your home towards Christ likeness. This just means you take take the responsibility. And again, this is another area where uh, modern culture and media and television has just messed with us, right? We if, if you're if you're around our age, Chris is a lot older than me, but
1: not a if, lot older. <laughs>
0: if you're around Sorry. our age, you grew up with the Ray Romanos and the Homer Simpsons of the world as your role models, right? These these weak, passive men who are degenerates, who who were selfish, and it was the wives who had to, you know, kind of uphold the moral values in the home. Um, that's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that, that the men are fighting for the sanctification of their children, for themselves and for their wives, and that they're leading their family towards Christ-likeness. And so often, it's so sad. You look around in our churches and you see far more women engaged in growing, engaged in Bible studies, engaged in service, because the men are claiming, well, we're too busy, we work all the time. And it's it's a sad, sad thing.
1: Yeah, that is a, that is a sad thing. Absolutely. So... What would you say, like in terms of just to give some background, um, what would you say some of the ways men who perhaps haven't been doing this can start? Like what are some good steps that they could just, you know, they know that they're supposed to be the spiritual leader of their house. How can somebody who has never actually thought of that this way, this could be a new topic because it isn't prevalent in our society. Right. What would you say were some good good ways for that man to to step up and start being that man without calling out his authority over his wife and being like you need to listen to me and what
0: right yeah so first thing i would do is um like the first thing when we figure out that we should be doing something that we're not or we're doing something that we shouldn't um i mean repentance is still a big part of the christian faith right and so i think you need to pray I, i think you need to repent and you think you need to repent before god recognize your failure ask god for help i think that's number one i think number two is is talk to your wife about it and, uh, and I, I honestly, I, I think that the times when I've been most vulnerable with Colleen are the times when I, I think that she's respected me the most. And, uh, and sometimes it's, it's about admitting our failures and where we're falling short and stuff like that, that, that pave the way for us to be the respectable men that uh, our, our wives are called to, to respect. And so um, I would say a couple of things. In terms of taking spiritual leadership in your home, I'd say just start by reading a book, right? So, I mean, what wife is going to, what Christian wife is going to say no to this? If you come and you say, you know, hon, I, I don't, or babe or whatever you, you know, honey poo or whatever you call your wife. Uh, hey, Honey you know, poo? I don't call Colleen honey poo. I think I'd get punched in the throat if I called her honey poo. I'm just making up names. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> if, if you went up to your wife and you said, hey, wife.
1: <laughs> Hello, wife.
0: Hello, wife. Um, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm, fulfilling my role as a spiritual you know leader here i I don't think i'm helping either of us become more like jesus um you know i got this book it's about marriage it's about you know men and women's roles within marriage it's about how to become more like jesus um what if we just read a chapter of this you know each night before bed or once every two nights or we tried to do this once you know maybe you have a bunch of kids at home and and time alone is tough hey you know on friday nights when we go to bed we're not going to put on netflix we're not going to do whatever we're going to read a chapter of this book together. And, uh, and I, I think, you know, there's some, here's some books I'd recommend. There's uh, uh, When Sinners Say I Do by Dave Harvey. Uh, I think one of the best marriage books that's out there, The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller, uh, This Momentary Marriage by John Piper. Um, there's, there's a bunch of really good practical books out there that uh, love and respect, you know, five love languages. There's lots of good practical books as well, but just find a book uh, and, and that's a really easy, practical way to start. Because here's the reality, talking about this stuff is awkward if you haven't done it, right? Like like talking to your wife about, you know, how you guys are growing or or what's going on in your your heart and, and that kind of stuff, it's awkward if you haven't done it. If you're used to putting the kids to bed, finishing the tasks, and then, you know, sitting beside each other watching a screen then it's hard to transition into having real meaningful conversation about th- things that matter. So take it slow, you, you know, use a book or something like that, because then um, it's, it's very easy, practical ways to get some, some advice. So that, that would be one thing. Uh, and the other thing I would say is, is suck it up and, <laughs> and pray with your wife. Honestly, and, and I say this as, as somebody who needs to get better at this, but uh, that's awkward too, right? I, I think all of us, even as Christian, you know, Christians who are trying to do this marriage thing, praying with your wife is awkward. You know, hon, why don't we stop and pray about that? Or like right before you go to bed, you know, why don't we just pray for some of the things that have been going on today? That, that's awkward because we don't see that modeled to us. We, it's, it's an awkward thing. But I promise you, you know, heart, men and women who pray together, Um, grow together and so the the only you know person the opposite sex you should be having those intimate prayer times with one-on-one is your spouse if you get if you can't pray with your spouse there's something wrong so you got to figure that out so i would just say suck it up it's going to be awkward and just do it yeah you
1: got to bite the bullet with that right like it's a hard thing to get out of the habit of just like we're going to say grace on sundays for for meal or we're going to say grace before every meal and that's the only time you ever pray together and it's like well, no, that's not that's not what you should be doing. Pray, m- pray more. Like you're saying, the more you can do that, the better and easier that becomes. Right? Totally. The, the, I think the I think one of the big problems, and you kind of said this too, is like communication is a huge totally problem huge. in in marriage, and also a huge success. And I, I think of it like I liken it back to when Heather and I were dating. We talked for hours. It was not uncommon for us to spend five six hours just talking. On the phone, in person, at a coffee shop, like just talking, not watching a movie, not, you know, whatever, like, you know, running around doing an event or going bowling, just talking. Right. And I think, I think the danger is that once when you're dating, that's something people think to do. When you're not dating, that kind of goes by the wayside because you're like, oh, I just want to watch this movie we're spending time together because we're watching this movie together. Where it's like, no, no, no. You're spending time together when you're communicating, when you're hanging out, but you're actually talking, you're conversing, you're having a meal together and just doing those things that maybe feel awkward at the start. Like how was your day? Yeah. You know what I mean, but go farther than that. Bring her into your walk with God. You know what I mean? Bring her into, you know, today I read Ephesians and this challenged me today. Mm-hmm. I read this and this was hard. Like yeah. I don't, I'm struggling with this. I'm, Here's how
0: you can pray for me.
1: Like you said, you said being vulnerable is some of the times that are are most. And I think vulnerable is one of those words that Christian men, men in general, are going to say and be like, "I'm not crying in front of my wife. I don't want to." It's not about being soft. It's about being like just real. Like we we do that with God ourselves, hopefully. You know, I mean, be like, you know, I'm struggling with this. you have somebody that God has blessed you with yeah. to, as we said, to walk you through and help you become more sanctified. Why does she not know? Yeah. Why are you struggling in this sin or in this area? And she doesn't even know about it. Cause okay. there's probably things she's doing that you could help her. It's the model of the church, right? There's people in our church who can help us with our struggles. Yeah. Well, there's probably one sitting right beside you on the couch watching God's not dead too on Netflix. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean like if we just, if we just stop, think and talk how much better is this marriage going to be you know yeah. what i mean like how much better could it be and, and but i'm by no means perfect like in this area i I'll throw on a baseball game and not think for five hours you know what i mean like because it takes five hours to get through um but i mean like i was (laughs) pitching depending on who's pitching but like you you just have to be intentional about this stuff and it takes intentionality to do this yeah so i think that's uh so that
0: that just transitions i don't know how much time we have to talk about this because i feel like we could for for hours so that kind of transitions into a real uh kind of practical reality and so let's just maybe take some time to give some just practical advice to some of our listeners um, because you're, you're talking about that, and, and I think one of the things that comes up in, in counseling, whether it's marriage counseling, pre-marriage counseling, quite a bit, is, is just this, this reality that men and women are created different, right? And we are, right? The world is trying to tell us that we're not, and there's a worldview out there that says that, that we're not, but men and women are created differently, we recognize that most in marriage when we think differently about things, right? I remember one of, the, one of the first things I learned in marriage was that when Colleen comes home and she's telling me about some of the struggles in the day, what she's not asking me is to fix it. I, it seems silly. Why wouldn't you want me to fix this for you, right? So, You're so good I spend, at fixing this. I, I thought I was. And so <laughs> you listen for a couple of minutes and then you stop them and say, okay, here's what you have to do in order to fix your problem. I, what I didn't realize was that Colleen wasn't asking me to fix her problem. She was asking me to listen as she worked through it. And uh, and that was huge, right? That sometimes our wives need us just to listen, not to fix their problems for them. Just like we don't want our wives. And, 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 and so I'll, let me just say it this way. So when I go home and I say, hey, this is what's going on at work or this is what's going on. And Colleen just, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Hey, I'm looking for a solution here. What do you got for me, right? So just recognizing that men and women are wired differently, knowing that is helpful. And so um, one of the really practical things I'd say for, you know, there's a lot of wives out there who who I, I know they feel um kind of emotionally starved because their husbands aren't sharing emotions with them Mm. the truth is guys we don't have as many emotions and our emotions aren't that complex right i'm hungry i'm tired i'm you know whatever um (laughs) our our emotions aren't quite as complex most of the time but when you're talking about vulnerability and talking about verses that challenge you when you're in your devotion life or, or things like that that's how you connect with your wife emotionally and, uh, and so it's, uh, that's just one kind of practical thing, but let's just take some time. Like Chris, what are some of the just practical things you've learned as a husband?
1: I'm going to, I'm going to throw one out that I actually give you credit for Cause I don't know, seven or eight years ago, you said this and I was like, you know what? That's brilliant advice. I'm going to implement that in my marriage and I've been married for nine years. So like it, it has helped immensely. Not like, um, and that's just the idea of like, even if you don't think you're wrong at all, just say sorry. There's something, find the one thing, just find the one thing that you could have done better in the situation and apologize right. and be the first one to take that step. Make that, take that step to be the one that's bridging the gap, just like God bridged the gap with us. Right. But take that step in the marriage. Yeah. And the more you do that, that just... It creates like the atmosphere to say we both understand we're we're going to mess up, yeah. But it's okay because we love each other and we're going to work through this together.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm sorry that I hurt you and just take that step. Yeah. And be the one as a as a man. I'm strictly speaking to men here. Be the one to be the to be not the coward because it's it's tough to walk up and be like I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, for sure. Eagle takes a hit.
1: Exactly. Eagle takes a hit. Be the hero in your mind yeah. and go say I'm sorry, even if you know. If you're sitting there thinking I have done nothing wrong in the situation, go apologize.
0: Well, and and, and the the here's the thing, and that's not a disingenuous thing, right? No, it's not. not at all. It's not like just apologize even though you have nothing uh, that you've done that's wrong. It's here's the reality: is that everything I do has sin in it, right? I know that. And I've become suspicious of my own heart because the Bible tells me that man's heart is deceitfully wicked. So I know that even in my most wonderful moments, right? I think it's a a Puritan prayer in the Valley of Vision that says, um, even my tears of repentance need to be washed in the blood of Christ because there's selfish motivation even in my repentance before God. So if there is sin, even in my most holy moments, then surely, even when I think I'm fully right, there are sin in my my marriage. So there's always something that I can apologize for. And quite often, for me personally, I'll walk out of an argument or something like that and think, I'm 100% right, and she's 100% wrong. Or I might say, you know what, okay, I've given other people this advice. I should follow it myself. I'm 99% right. She's 1%. She's one, or I'm 99% right, right. 1% wrong. So I'm going to apologize for that small 1%. And then honestly, as my heart softens, when I start to apologize for that seemingly insignificant 1%, I start to realize that it wasn't just a 1% thing that I'm actually way more wrong than I think I am. And so just that, that, practice of being suspicious of your own motivations and, and everything is, has been a lifesaver for me too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Take the plank out of your own eye before you flick the speck Abs- out of your wife's yeah, eye. Right. Absolutely. So, and it's like, even if it's pride, you're apologizing for just apologize. You yeah. Know I mean? Absolutely. And, and another one, again, this is going to sound super cliche, but I, we don't mean it. Don't go to sleep angry at her. Yeah. You know what I mean, even if it's just a simple, simple fact of we we still need to talk about this more, but I want I want you to know I love you I respect you, I th- I think X Y and Z about you I think you're the greatest person on earth type thing. Make sure that before the end of the evening or whatever that that is communicated because it bridges that gap. You know what I mean? Like totally. we, just, we just even if the even if the issue is still an issue in the morning, at least at that point she knows that your heart in the in the issue is to love her. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that will go immensely to helping her respect who you are.
0: Yeah. And that comes straight from Ephesians 4, right? So verse 26 of Ephesians 4 says, "Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil." And the reality is is that the devil is winning in terms of this attack. Over 50% of marriages fail, which means that opportunities have been given to the devil. He's taken uh, all he can during those opportunities to, to destroy marriages. And so it says one practical way that you cannot give opportunity uh, to the devil is by not letting the sun go down on your anger. In other words, don't let issues go unresolved. Um, we, we've all seen it. We all have friends who have experienced it. We've all experienced it in certain relationships in our own lives, is that unresolved issues create bitterness and resentment, and it gives root to all kinds of sins in our hearts. And how many times do we, we bite our tongue, we don't say something, and sometimes that's a good thing. If, if what's about to surface is a, is a snap, you know, you know, make your wife feel bad, or, or a, a snide remark or something, then yeah, of course, bite your tongue, but don't not say what's on your mind find a way to communicate it in love because unresolved issues are like poison in a relationship. And so what happens, and you see this all the time in marriage, is all of a sudden, uh, Colleen and I call them nothing fights, right? Sometimes you see them in, pu- in public, in the grocery store or whatever. You see a couple, you know, the guy goes and gets the wrong kind of ketchup or something. And she's like, you don't even know that I only eat, eat Heinz ketchup? And, you know, the guy's just sitting there like, "Uh, it's not about the ketchup. It's about all the unresolved issues that are going on in their lives. And and there's there are these little things that gnaw away at us and if we don't talk about them they become poison exactly that analogy right there you
1: don't know that i like only heinz ketchup i mean what she's really saying there is you don't know me right
0: you don't listen to you don't listen to what i say totally and
1: so like just cut through the surface and find out what what is she actually trying to say to me yeah in these situations and then as a man fix the problem yeah but don't give a solution just do it yeah i mean just start being the man that you want to be with her.
0: I'm I'm gonna tread into dangerous water here, Chris. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm just gonna give a couple pieces of practical advice to our female listeners as well, because we don't want we don't uh, they might be sitting there going, Amen, Amen, preach to my husband, kind of thing. Uh, and that's that's good. We want to call out the men, but mm-hmm. just a couple little practical things I want to say to to women, because a lot of this stuff, uh, it 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 would be true for them too. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, right? All that kind of stuff. But here here's just a couple things. Um, don't test your husband. Don't test your husband, right? Don't play that game where you're asking something, seeing what answer he would give. Talk genuinely to him. Games are for high school kids who are dating. It's not for marriage. Um, don't test your husband. Say what you mean. Mean what you say. And, uh, and I think that's one of the most practical piece of advice i can give uh to any of our female listeners who are married is is mean what you say say what you mean don't test or play games with your husband um just be a real person (laughs) and uh and don't do that and and then a lot of this other uh stuff uh is the same way don't let issues go unresolved don't let the sun go down on your anger Um, all that kind of stuff and and thinking about you wives in ephesians chapter five Remember that it says husbands love your wives wives respect your husbands one thing that wives need to understand is that men are wired to feel love through respect so quite honestly almost every issue everything that hurts a wife's feelings really it, it boils down this is why this advice is so profound by Paul it comes down to feeling unloved right you don't know i only eat heinz ketchup means you don't know me because you don't listen to me because you don't love me right and and so wives recognize that you need love like your husband needs respect he's wired to feel your love through the lens of respect and so when you treat him like one of the kids when you scold him or nag him like he's a child then He is feeling the same thing that you would feel when he says something to you that makes you feel unloved. So if husbands, if you try to communicate everything you can, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing to your wife and wrap it up in the language that says, I love you, you you can correct somebody and make them feel loved and you can correct somebody and make them feel respected. But if you use your language in a way that builds up your wife uh reassuring her I love you and wives if you speak to your husbands in such a way that even if you're even if you're correcting them you're making it obvious that you respect them then our marriages are going to look a whole lot better. We often think that well I can't respect somebody who is unrespectable, right? And oftentimes husbands will think I can't love somebody who's unlovable. And so we withhold our love or we withhold our respect. And a wife who withholds respect from her husband is a less lovable wife. And a husband who withholds love from his wife is a less respectable husband. And so there's less respect, therefore there's less love, therefore there's less respect, and there's a spiral downwards. Whereas if we follow what Paul says and we say, I'm going to respect you, even though you're not quite the man that I want you to be, I recognize that you're trying to get there and I'm going to come alongside you and try to help you get there. And even though you're not the, the wife that's the most lovable wife, I, I love you anyways, I'm going to show you love and I'm going to come alongside you and, and help be, make you more Christ-like, which will make you more lovable. Then suddenly more love leads to more respect, which means leads to more love and there's a spiral upward. So it's really practical when you get down to the nitty-gritty of Ephesians 5. And I hope that uh, that, that advice alone is is worth the price of admission.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's fantastic advice. I think I, I think we could like you said earlier we could go on on the subject for a long long time because this is this is a key thing. Yeah. And I think if we reclaim marriage, what it means and what it should look like, if we alter that, we can see radical growth in the, in the church, we yeah. can see radical growth of the gospel because two people living for as one Living for Christ can change the
0: world. Absolutely. And so. and that's that's what Paul's saying in Ephesians 5. This is a picture of the gospel, so it matters.
1: Yeah, marriage is a gospel issue.
0: Absolutely. And so Satan attacks the image of the gospel that marriage is because he can't win a fight against God himself. So he, he attacks the image, he attacks the picture, because the gospel that destroys Satan, not the other way around. So he attacks the picture. And... Uh, it we our gospel presentation to the world will be far more potent if our marriages reflect the gospel picture it's supposed to yeah don't let anything
1: don't let anything distort the image absolutely yeah Yeah. so
0: hopefully you found that practical and helpful uh but we got to wrap this thing up so uh we've decided that uh this last segment we're going to take a break from the hacks for a little bit and we're going to instead just define some terms so what are the terms that you want us to define today chris
1: it's unbelievably how practical this one came up. Um, complementarian or egalitarian, and what do we mean when we say we are complementarian?
0: Yeah, really simply, complementarian and egalitarian are two different schools of thought. Um, it's and they both uh, they both have to do with marriage. An egalitarian um, uh, theology would mean that men and women are equal in every way, right? It's a it's a flattening out. It's an equality now and and it would essentially say that men and women are are essentially interchangeable in that regard that anything a man can do a woman can do and anything a man a woman can do a man can do they are in every single way equal complementarian theology on the other hand would say that men and women are equal in value but differ in roles meaning that instead of being exactly the same in every way that they complement one another so men have a particular role Women have a particular role, and those two roles, when done properly and biblically, complement one another to, uh, to accomplish God's mission in the world um, together. So uh, really, really quickly, egalitarian, there's no differing roles, whether it's in marriage or in the church or any sort of gender restrictions on anything men and women can do. Everything is equal complementarian is um, men and women are completely equal in value but differ in their roles they were created different for different functions and for different uh, places within uh, church and culture and marriage so um, those are the two schools of thought and here on this podcast we would embrace a complementarian theology um, that we think the Bible uh, pretty clearly teaches
1: Absolutely. Well, I hope that was a helpful podcast for you guys. And remember, if you're still listening at this point, um, remember to like us, share us on Facebook, and give us a rating on iTunes. Have a great one, guys.
0: See ya.